You're listening to The Great Big Beautiful Podcast. I'm Cecil Baldwin. Thanks for listening. We got to meet our demo. We got to meet meet our, our uh, target market, which is all wrong. Yeah. You know, whenever the suits are in the room, they think they know and and they don't. And then you see movies like Hidden Figures, and it's yeah. made over a hundred million dollars. I'm I'm not hopeful. <laughs> I want to say that I am, but I'm just I'm not until I actually see a black woman or even a woman of color cast in a lead role in Star Wars. Here are your hosts, Jamie Green and Justin Connors. Have you seen any of the news about the New England Patriot players not wanting to go to the White House? Have you seen I saw that? Some head- I saw some headlines. So, I saw. I mean, I am not a sports guy, but right. I did see some some headlines about various players saying that yeah. they weren't going to go. Well, there's six or seven of them now, and they're all saying they're not going to go because they don't want to go and see Trump, Donald Trump, <laughs> basically, and. The Republicans are up in arms because they're saying, oh, this is disrespectful. It shouldn't matter. It's the president. And But their point is, well, Tom Brady didn't go when it was Barack Obama. Yeah. <laughs> and so why? Yeah. And, you know, Tom Brady's the quarterback and he didn't go. So why does it matter if these guys who, by the way, and I know this is relevant to the conversation, they're mostly African-American. And the reason that they're not going is because they don't feel that they're represented in the White House. So that's their that's their beef, and that's legitimate. And I it's s- a legitimate beef. And I mean, I've been getting so frustrated, obviously, as we all have recently for various many reasons. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, there is still such a thing as freedom of speech and expression in this right. country, you know. And I mean, and much of that has to be has to do with voicing. Mm-hmm. your dissatisfaction or your opposition to something, you know, in this whole idea of, well, he's the president, just get over it. Well, I'm sorry, we just lived through eight years of a president you guys didn't like, and you exactly. challenged his very ability to be president by questioning whether he was even mm-hmm. born in this country. Exactly. You know, and I mean, the nasty, nasty racist remarks were made at every turn for the past eight years. And the same people who today are saying, just get over it. He's the president. Stop whining. Are the exact same people in many cases who were complaining about right. President Obama for mm-hmm. eight straight years. Well, and from an outsider's perspective, I guess because I'm Canadian, if people don't don't realize this, from my perspective, it's mind-boggling to me to see a man be president who blatantly, and I'm sure it's the same for you, who blatantly says the opposite of what something actually is. It's unbelievable to me. And then they get up and they're like, no, it wasn't really like that. It's like this. It's, you know, this is what we really, it's, I just, it blows my mind that that it can just be, okay, well, this is, 
the president saying that it's not the way that the facts say it was. <laughs> you know, alternative well, I mean, facts, if you will. Y- you can say it. He lies. I mean, yeah, he lies. <laughs> there's no beating let's around be, the Let's he's, not be political. He lies. He's a, yeah. he's a liar. And that is, I mean, there's no two <laughs> ways about it. You know, he is a liar. People who work for him are liars. And they have been caught in many, many lies in right. just three weeks. But what what drives me crazy beyond that because let's face it a lot of politicians are liars right yes, and of course. a lot of presidents have said untruths they've all lied yes of course but none of them clearly have been to the extent yeah. that <laughs> the trump administration has already been caught lying making up terrorist attacks and things like that but what <laughs> what drives me up a wall is the it, i don't want to say inability but the the lack of a desire to call him on it yeah. Now, there are some Democrats, there's people in the media, there's Twitter, you know, all those people are calling him on it. But I feel like if Obama had done a fraction mm-hmm. of what Trump has done in the last three weeks, he, like... I think it, Democrats it, it would have called him on it. it. Absolutely, they would have called him on it, but it would have been, like, a disaster to his presidency. Yeah. But in three weeks, it's become so normalized with Trump that people are just like, there he goes again, making up another <laughs> terrorist attack. <laughs> You know, and it's like those people in government, our senators and our representatives who would refuse mm-hmm. to let Obama do absolutely anything, um, are now just more than willing to let all of this nonsense slide. And for those of you listening, I, this is not our normal show. Like no, we, we, no, no, we don't usually get political at all, um, let alone, and we, you know. We tend to lean a, diff- a different, a non-Republican <laughs> way in our well, views. <laughs> This is a this is a show that celebrates creativity and geekiness, you know, and and we don't we don't like to bring politics into it. But like all things, it's unavoidable. And, you know, I talk about this with our guest today, Jamie Broadnax, in that my Twitter feed and I'm sure you see the same thing on Facebook and Twitter. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter who I follow. It doesn't matter why I originally followed them. It is all politics all the time now. Yeah. No, I mean, I follow a lot of different types of people. Um, but it doesn't matter who they are. Everybody's talking the same thing now. Um, and it's, it's become all consuming and it's, it's cast a shadow over everything else. And frankly, I've gotten to the point where I feel a little guilty posting mm-hmm. about other things, you know, like getting excited about the, our latest guest or getting excited about a new yep. show or, or, you know, I'm going to toy fair next weekend and I'm, you know, like, I want to post about it. I want to say something about it, but it's like, it's, it's in this sea of, right. of political activism. And it's, you almost feel guilty for still having interests outside of <laughs> yeah. our country falling apart. You exactly. know? <laughs> well, and I, I was driving in the car with Sarah yesterday and I said to her, I don't know why I care as much as I do about this. And it's probably just because I have a, I have a great, even though I'm Canadian, I have a great respect for America and the president, the office of president. I always have. And to see someone like this in the position, it drives me like, whoa, I, I get like more upset than I should. But there was one specific thing I was upset about, and that was the uh, naming uh, DeVos to, or whatever you say her name, to education. And I said, to her, I don't know why I care as much as I do about this, because my kids are not being under that system. Our kids have, I mean, they're not great, but our kids have politicians that are at least somewhat qualified to be education ministers and 
I don't know why it affects me so much because it has nothing to do with me. I mean, I don't even live in America, but I think it's just a humanity thing. <laughs> you know, the putting someone because it's so insane. It's, that's it, why yeah, I it's mean, it's incredible. Like, ju- like, it, it, okay, Justin Trudeau lied about something, but his lie was a campaign promise. He promised he was going to change the way elections are. Now he's saying, "Well, Canadians don't want it, so I'm not going to do it." That's not the same thing as. That's not the same thing as the Bowling Green massacre. I'm sorry, they're not. You know what I mean? Those are. That's the difference between a political lie and a what? What the hell is he talking about? Lie. Sorry yeah. for swearing. That's what. It, yeah. <laughs> that's, no, and it's you know true. I mean, I, mean like, I can't even imagine what it's like to be, you know, in Canada or somewhere else looking in. It's got to be like you're looking through the like into Wonderland. You're looking through mm-hmm. the looking glass, and it's like, what the hell is happening? Well, and there? the thing is, is we know there are a lot, millions of people, and. And I don't know if you want to hear this or not, but millions that voted for Hillary over Trump that disagree with what he's doing. So we see the promise. Do you know what I mean? We see that it's there and we see that there are a large majority. And if you look at it, what is it? Realistically, 20 percent of people in America voted for Trump and the rest didn't. Is that what it is? Something like that. You guys just all unsubscribed today. (laughs) <laughs> so today <laughs> so today on the podcast jamie um i mean the reason we started off talking yes. political stuff is because i do get into some politics um not politics per se but politically charged discussion and how it relates to our fandoms and the things right. that we like that usually are there as distractions or things that we can lose ourselves in um but have now sort of they either feel secondary or they're they're not as much of an escape as we they used to be. Um, but today I talked to Jamie Broadnax, who is the um, the head of the website and podcast and Twitter handle and online media presence that is the Black Girl Nerds. Um, she has created this amazing site and community for African American females, primarily, but it's it is a very welcoming community um, to to sort of come together embrace their fandoms um and 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 be able to discuss the things that they like um with a community of like-minded people um it's it's if you don't follow her on twitter you absolutely should she's very um active on twitter check out the um the podcast which is they just passed their 100th episode as well um and their 100th episode, actually, if you've never listened to it, is a great jumping on point because it's sort of a best of episode. And so it's a clip show. Um, and it's, it's the the uh, four hosts sitting around and, and saying, what are your highlights from the past 100 episodes? And they play some clips of their their favorite interviews and their favorite episodes and discussions that they've had. Um, so we talk a lot about, um, like I said, we talk about the, the, the current situation, um, fandoms. She's also um, heading up a, a new convention that's going to be coming right here close to me in Baltimore. It's called Universal FanCon. So we talk a little bit about that. They just were on um, uh, Kickstarter to get funded. They had a great turnout. They got funded. So that's coming in 2019. Um, she also has started um, a, a, a separate podcast, which is more of a scripted um, limited edition, I guess you could say. I think it's going to be nine episodes. It's called Misty Nights Uninformed Afro. Um, and it's, uh, I want to say this, I think the second episode has already dropped, but it, it, they dive into the history of um, female African-American comic wow. book characters and they go, really go in depth with those their backstories. So, That's awesome. Um, 
It is, and we we had a really good conversation. So I really hope you guys were not turned off by Justin and I getting <laughs> a little bit too political up here at the top. Yeah, you need just just pretend we didn't say that and listen to this interview because it's really yeah. Good. <laughs> All right, guys, we're gonna go play it for you right now. Hope you enjoy. Jamie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk. It's so uh, lovely to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I guess. Uh, <laughs> we we we've always tried to 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 not be political on the show, but lately it's it's been hard to avoid it. So I'm going to do my best to avoid it, though I know it's going to creep in. So I'm going to start off um, trying my best to be apolitical. So let's start off with something easy and fun. Um, who who would you say is your geek icon? Like who do you look up to? Who who is your role model for for what you strive to be doing? Hmm, that's a good one hmm i really love aisha tyler yeah um yeah she's just amazing um she you know i really started listening a lot to her when she started her podcast girl on guy um so and and that's a part of what made me feel really confident to get into podcasting i wouldn't say that that got me into podcasting but um, listening to her voice made me feel more confident about it. Uh, so definitely. And then when I saw her back in the talk soup days, um, cause she used to guest host on yeah. that show, um, that, that was definitely refreshing to see. So yeah, Aisha Tyler would definitely fit in that category. And her book, Self-Inflicted Wounds, confirmed everything that I thought would be <laughs> geeky about her. Like, you know, I always had these sort of ideas of, you know, maybe she's, you know, this perfect person and like there's things about her that are flawless and she's so <laughs> awkward and just <laughs> and so imperfect in, in all of these different ways and, and very much um, like me. And um, I really appreciate that. So, yeah, Aisha Tyler, hands down. Good answer. Um, you, you say she she helped you sort of find your voice and, and, and not get you into podcasting, but sort of give you that courage. What I guess, what was it that got you into podcasting? It was the fans of Black Girl Nerds. Um, I was, I had started Black Girl Nerds back in February of 2012 and uh, then got into uh, social media probably about a little bit, a year into it. And um Folks would just kind of tag me on Twitter and nudge me and say, have you ever thought about podcasting? And mm-hmm. I didn't even really know what a podcast was. <laughs> and it wasn't until I got on uh, Geek Soul Brother, he had a daily podcast, um, which was crazy. He, he doesn't do it anymore. <laughs> but yeah, he had a podcast every day at noon. Oh. And um, he invited me on his show and he was like, have you ever thought about podcasting? And you know, at this point, so many people had put it into my ear to do it. I was just like, yeah, I, I think that this is something I, I would be interested in doing. So once I committed myself on record, <laughs> um, <laughs> a place that will be indelibly printed forever, um, that I'll be doing podcasting, I just decided to go for it. And in March of 2013 is when I launched the very first episode of the Black Girl Nerds podcast. And been doing it steady ever since then uh coming up on four years huh 
Yeah, wow. Yeah. <laughs> it just dawned on me. Yeah, four years. <laughs> four years. Time gets away from you. We've been doing this. We're in our second year now, but still, it seems like just yesterday we, we just started doing it. So it's, I can only imagine how it just sort of, yeah, you're like, wow. Where four, does the time four, go? Four years? Yeah. Really? Is, that can't be right. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Any regrets? I mean, I, I it, it's funny. You hear when you first start podcasting, there's all the doom and gloom stories, and they always say, you know, like 80% of podcasts never make it past 10 episodes or something like that. And it's just like, it's got a worse track record for success than restaurants do, you know, but it's, you know, those that survive, it, it's something crazy. And I wish I had the statistic, but it's, it's some really high number that never make it to like 15 episodes. But those that do make it after 15 just can go for years. Yeah, you know, I mean, I I haven't heard that, but that sounds about right. It's it's hard, yeah. you know. Every even though there's a lot of people out there podcasting, and it seems like that's the thing to do, that it's very popular. It's a very hard thing to do and to manage, and um, to kind of come up with new content and to manage a frequency, whether you elect to do it on a weekly basis or a biweekly basis. Um, it's just something that takes a lot of time and resources and energy. And I just give a lot of credit and props to everybody that's a part of this space because it's, it's a grind. It mm -hmm. really is. Yeah. People think it's, 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 you just talk into a microphone and you throw it up online, right? And no. It's, it's, no, no, it's not like that, you know? <laughs> I mean, we, we're not a scripted one, you know, there's, there's all those scripted podcasts that it's, and that's it's, even harder, it's journalism is what it is. I mean, there's, yeah. there's months of research that go into every episode and it's, it's the same thing as, as writing a book in some cases, mm -hmm. you know I mean? But you know, your show is, is in some respects a lot like ours where we have different guests every episode. So it's, that's, you know, it's not, I don't like to just roll up into an interview and just say, so tell me about yourself, you know? So, I mean, there's a lot of work that behind the scenes that people, I think, just really don't realize. Nope. It's a process. It I is. Mean, you have to wrangle guests together. You have to schedule the guests. You've got to do some research. You know, if you if you really want to be a good host, you've got to research your guests and and then come up with the questions of what you want to ask your guests and engage them. Um, if you have a segmented show, you have to think of different uh, segmented topics for your show. Uh, so there's, there's a lot involved in, in putting together a, a program and, um, it, yeah, it's way more than just a mic. And then there's, <laughs> you know, there's editing involved and, and then there's the financial aspect of it. It's hosting fees. And, uh, if you decide to upgrade your equipment, getting microphones together and getting the right kind of audio equipment that, is able to put out some really great audio for your your podcast, so it's it's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. It is a lot. I I, I understand. <laughs> um, all right, moving away from po technical podcast jargon because most people don't really care. <laughs> um, I'm curious to know what your thoughts are about the terms fanboy and fangirl. Um, mm -hmm. You know, fanboy has pretty much become a derogatory term in many respects, whereas fangirl is, is celebratory, you know, and, and do you think that it should be a goal for everybody to just be fans, or should we instead be celebrating those differences among us? 
I mean, I think it's okay to celebrate the differences among us as fans. And if you want to call yourself a fangirl or a fanboy, it's fine. Um, I've, I've heard that, that, you know, the term fangirl in some circles is, you know, a disparaging term. Mm -hmm. And then in some circles, it's an empowering term. Um, and it doesn't really matter to me. I mean, I use the term for myself as an empowering term and, and I use it as a, as a verb, um, when I'm saying that I'm fangirling over my Mm -hmm. favorite celebrity, um, so, you know, I, I don't think that it's, it, it's not a big deal to me as long as whatever it is that you're passionate about, that you're interested in, it's something that, you know, means a lot to you. That's something that you embrace fully. And, um, if the labels bug you, then, you know, don't focus on the labels, focus on what is, um, meaningful to you. Yeah. With with everything that's happening right now, the current state of the world and you know the every it seems like every 5 minutes there's another bombshell. Mm-hmm. How do we balance our passions for for pop culture? You know, like you know we 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 we're geeks and there are things that we love, you know, whether they're books or comics or movies or TV or whatever it is. How do we I mean, it seems sometimes like I wake up in the morning and it feels just frankly a little ridiculous to 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 get excited about the newest episode of my sh- of you know the f- my favorite show or to get excited for the next Marvel movie you know because of everything that's happening I mean it, is there a balance or like how can we continue to be fans but still be moral responsible citizens or are they not really that you know mutually mutually exclusive I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I think you can do both. Yeah. I think we can walk, you know, and chew gum at the same time, you know? <laughs> I hope like, so. <laughs> you know, I it's so funny. People, when I'm, like, live tweeting TV shows and, uh, you know, the president's on TV at the same time and people judge others for doing that, I always find that ridiculously funny because... Uh, it, why would you want to live in a world where everybody has to do yeah. one thing? Like, we're time. not monoliths. Yeah. yeah. Like, everybody has different things that they're interested in. So, yeah, I, I mean, we have to have that escapism. Otherwise, we'll drive ourselves nuts, especially yeah. in this <laughs> uh, <laughs> with these next four years that we're going to deal with. So, yeah, I mean, fandom, if anything, probably there's going to be a huge resurgence of fandom culture now more than ever because, you know, more people want to create um, places to escape in and and be able to uh, create, you know, worlds where they feel accepted, worlds where they feel like, you know, they have some sense of control in um, because now people feel powerless mm-hmm. um so i think if anything fandom culture is going to grow substantially and, and people are going to turn to that even more than what is happening in our reality yeah I've, I've noticed and i'm sure you have as well you know when i turn when i go to twitter it used to be all over the place with what people were writing about i, I follow a lot of people in comics and i follow like you know graphic novels and i follow a lot of authors and things like that and artists 
Um, and everybody used to be talking about things that they were passionate about. They would, they would talk about either their latest project or what was coming up and what their friends were doing and what, what made them excited. And now it feels just like no matter who they are or, or why I originally followed them, everybody's talking politics and everybody Mm -hmm. is, you know, either, I don't, I don't follow pretty much anybody from the other side, which is, could be the problem, but I mean, everybody's the resistance, you know? So it's, it's no longer, you know, you know, XYZ comic book writer or XYZ author or, or filmmaker. It's, you know, resistance and political, this is my political channel now. And I, I mean, are we seeing, I think in our lifetime, I think this, it feels like this is a movement where politics is, is overtly infusing itself into everything, you know, whereas before a lot of the stories that we would be consuming had that political subtext. Mm -hmm. But I think now everything is becoming very much overtly political. Um, And it's almost becoming inescapable. So where those things that we used to turn to for escapism, they're not helping us escape anymore. Mm. There's not really a question in there, but I mean, I'm 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 just wondering if you know I I wanna I wanna believe you and I wanna agree with you that there's gonna be this big resurgence of fandom and and you know we're gonna be able to really have that escapist escapist um, literature or, or or route that we can turn to. Um, right now, maybe it's only because it's week one and it's just been so hellish. Um, <laughs> it doesn't feel like there is any escapism anymore. It's just sort of, it's all consuming. I think things are settling in for a lot of people. People are, you know, first of all, we are dealing with a a president that uses social media heavily Mm -hmm. and um, has knee-jerk responses to everything. And social media is built upon that. So as he has a knee-jerk response to news that happens in his uh, administration, then social media and and the internet as a whole has a knee-jerk response to him. And all of these conversations starts to evolve as a result. And it has like this huge domino effect. And then, hence what you're saying, the con- the conversations about politics kind of take over and yeah. and then it gets very noisy. But I think at the end of the day, the dust eventually does settle and people do start talking about things that are very important to them. Um, and whether that's comics, whether that's gaming, sci-fi, fantasy, you know, whatever it is in nerd culture that, you know, is of interest to you, those are the things that people hold dear um but yeah at this point it's very important for some people to talk about politics because the politics that's happening in our nation are affecting the livelihood of a lot of us um it's affecting our health insurance it's affecting reproductive rights it's affecting our livelihood as people of color and and people um, in the LGBTQ community and people who are Muslim. Um, so it's not something that they can ignore, that they can't afford to ignore. Um, so that's important to have those conversations. But I don't know. I guess I'm a bit of an optimist in a way that I think that you can still have those conversations, those very weighted conversations about politics, but then still talk about the things that are part of fan culture at the same time and I and I don't I don't know I guess because for me with BGN 
I've been doing this since I've been on social media. Right. Right. <laughs> so talking about political things like social justice issues with respect to racism and sexism and, you know, gender issues, um, I, I've been doing this for a while. So I guess everybody else is sort of catching up because they're like, oh, wow, yeah, racism is really real. <laughs> wow, there is like, you know, sexism and stuff that's really happening in our politics. Um, so I guess for some people, they're just now kind of being woke to these issues when these are things that I've been talking about for years. And I guess I just don't see it being as overwhelming yeah. um, as, as some other communities do. Yeah. And it's interesting. If it does, it does feel like a lot of people are just are engaged. I want to say re-engaging, but I think a lot of people are just engaging for the first time. And right. like you said, they're just you know they're just getting woke to this. They're just they're just their eyes are just opening to see um, how bad it is in certain communities and in, among certain types of people. And 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 you know that previously they it had been too easy just to sort of brush off or or ignore quite honestly. Um, yeah, and I think maybe that's what this is. It's this this um, first week has been so, uh, I, I said it before, it's just been so hellish that I think a lot of people have just been really thrown for a loop, and that's why there it feels like there's nothing else that they can talk about, which is not necessarily a bad thing. You know, it's, it's very important to engage, and it's very important to have these understandings and to know what's going on, but... Um, I really do hope that at some point we can realize that we can walk and chew gum at the same time and we can still have those things that we love and, and be able to escape from time to time. Absolutely. And we can. And I mean, I, I think, I think, I don't know. I mean, I think it's healthy to talk about these things. If we don't talk about them and ignore them, then we elect Donald Trump as the president of the United States. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> we, we really do have to talk about these issues and not pretend that racism exists, sexism exists, that homophobia exists. Um, and if we don't talk about these things, then um, the elephant in the room is going to continue and it's just going to eat at the core and it, it's just going to blow up in our faces. So um, I think it's a healthy thing to do and hopefully... Um, this is sort of, um, you know, I don't know. It's just sort of like, what's the term? I guess it's just sort of a a cautionary tale of, uh, of what can happen when you don't talk about these things. And, and maybe we can learn a lesson from, uh, this man being in office of, of what, uh, not to do when we decide to ignore the issue and, uh, and maybe the positive thing is by talking about it, we can progress and move forward and some, some good can come out of it. Yeah. And it's a really important point. I mean, I want to I ask you about that, actually, because, I mean, it is important to talk about. But at the same time, like you were just saying with, with social media, it's very noisy, you know, and it's social media and Twitter and Facebook. They give everybody this more or less equal platform to make themselves heard and I mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but with so many voices vying for attention, you pretty much have to shout to make yourself heard. And then, right. you know, everybody's shouting and nobody's listening and we have President Trump. So, right. I mean, 
how do how do we how do and, you know it, it, everybody says we need to just we need to have these conversations we need to talk about these things and I completely agree, but how do we get people to start listening? You know, so many people are talking and so many people have been saying these things for a long time. The problem isn't that nobody's talking. The problem is that too many people aren't listening. Right. It, is I, it a matter of amplifying those voices or is it a matter of silence? I mean, you don't want to silence anybody, but how do you get the right people's ears to open up? Well, I think going beyond social media, because social media is sort of like performance art, right? Yeah, yeah very good. <laughs> I like that. Um, so instead of just using social media, which is just one method of getting your voice out there, um, having a website, a blog, and having editorials and writing, you know, really great think pieces about your opinions and perspectives on whatever issues it is that you really want to push out there for your readers, having a podcast and talking about these issues with marginalized voices, um, speaking publicly at events, speaking at colleges, you know, whatever it is, um, doing TED Talks, things of that nature. You know, I think that just putting yourself out there as someone that, you know, like, look, I have a platform and, and these are the things that I, that are very important for me to speak out on. And I, I really want to be able to communicate and put this out there for everybody out there to hear. Um, so th these are the platforms that I have. Um, beyond just social media, I think is uh, important. But social media is a great tool. And I'll, I'll never diminish that because I built the brand of Black Girl Nerds on social media. Mm -hmm. But I think that that's just one of many different tools that you can use to, to put yourself out there. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think, you know, it's it's good to show that you're well-rounded and that you can do more than just send out a tweet. <laughs> it's, uh, that's the trick, though, is putting yourself out there. I think um, you need to have a fairly thick skin today, in, you know, with, with, with the social media. I mean, it's easy to say that that's just one tool, but that's the tool that is going to be used to tear you down. It's hard. I mean, it's, you know, that is something that I am battling with myself. Um, you know, if if you're someone, and, and it depends on what you're, what you're interested in. If you're like a writer and you want to write books, um, but you also want to do more than just express yourself through books and you want to do public speaking. Uh, that's a challenge and that's something that I that's a challenge for me now and and I'm trying to break through that that uh, fear of public speaking but I look at it like this I have to put myself outside of myself and focus on what's important and that's community and um, you know allowing people to see that this is more than just Jamie that this is about uh, focusing on a community of marginalized women that, haven't really been represented before in media. Um, so for anybody out there, what, whether, whether you're someone that's, you know, a blogger, a podcaster, you know, whatever it is that you are creating, um, sometimes you have to step outside of your comfort zone uh, to express your art. And uh, it's, it's worth it when you do it. And then you realize, you know what, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> yeah. First time is always the worst. 
<laughs> no matter no matter what you're doing. I mean, That's yeah. True. I mean, it's even you know, starting a podcast is is very similar. The very first time yep. you're terrified. What if nobody likes me? What if nobody listens? But after a while, it's like you know, you build up your your audience, you build up your brand, you find the people who you know, you're the like-minded people that you're talking to, and it, it goes much easier. And I mean, I, I I can't even imagine being the target of some of the hatred and vitriol that people have to deal with online. Um, right. I, I, I've, I've not had to deal with that and, and I can't imagine having to, I don't think that I, I think I, quite honestly, I think that it would, it would, it would destroy me. Like, I think that would push me away from just trying to do anything. So hats off to the people that I see online who are just pushing through all of that and standing firm and, and speaking even louder because of that. And cause I don't think that I could do it. I don't think that I have that kind of, um, I'd like to think that I could, but I don't. I, honestly, I don't think that I have that kind of courage. <laughs> I, I, I could. I couldn't put up yeah. with some of the, the some of the shit that people deal with day in and day out, just just for yeah. saying the right thing. Yeah, I mean, I I can't put up with the levels that like Anita Sarkeesian oh, yeah. deals with, but I've dealt with people that have said some shitty things about me on the internet, and uh, it's tough. It's it's tough, but um, again, I just look at it. I look at it from this perspective. It's not personal. Mm-hmm. Like I know that like these people don't know me from Adam. Like they don't know me personally. So I am an anonymous person to them, just like they're an anonymous person to me. And it's an insecurity on their part of whatever they're dealing with inside. And they have a shortcoming and they want to project that shortcoming onto this anonymous person on the Internet. Um, So I try not to take it personal when I see attacks on my character. Um, And that's the best way that I try to deal with it. Is it easy? No. But, you know, that's that's the only way I can just keep it going and and just try to push forward because, Unfortunately, it, it does go with the territory of being a public mm-hmm. persona on the internet. Yeah. So, yeah. Let's move to something a little bit happier, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk Star Wars for a minute. Sure, yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's no secret that Star Wars has faced a representation problem, whether it's racial or, or gender. Um, and it's been it's made some progress. I mean, we have to give them credit yeah. where credit is due. Uh, and I think they gained a lot of goodwill before Force Awakens um, with several of the or some of the casting announcements, including Lupita. Um, but then she ended up being this motion capture character, which I thought was just incredibly whatever. I mean, I liked the character, but when you've got one of the most beautiful women in the world, why do you make her this little tiny CG character? I don't understand. Um, but at this point, with what we know about episode eight and casting and the Han Solo movie and the future of Star Wars. Are you still hopeful for more women of color in Star Wars or is it sort of just like a, they're just going to do whatever they do? Oh man. I mean, (laughs) to be hopeful (laughs) is to be disappointed at this point because it's like a 40 plus year franchise and they still haven't gotten it right. Even with this last film, Rogue One, which they got it right for the men, but even with the women, they still didn't um, hit the mark uh, with representation of of women of color. Um, 
and you know this episode eight we we still have the same cast from episode seven mm-hmm. so i don't see much change happening there because maz kanata is still right. an alien as yeah. far as i know <laughs> she doesn't Peter's change gonna turn, yeah unless <laughs> she's gonna turn into a princess or something i don't know <laughs> um but i mean she's pretty much yoga um or yoda um but I don't know. I, you know, I just, uh, I, I, I would like to see Star Wars be able to reflect what's in the, in the expanded universe. Because as far as I know, and I don't know a whole lot about it, but um, from feedback that I've gotten from uh, fans and and followers of Black Girl Nerds that the expanded universe is very diverse yeah. uh, with women of color. And even in the comic book, we've got Sana Solo. Um, and you know, she's or Sana Staros and she's, you know, a, a black woman in the, in the comics. So I, I don't understand why they seem to get it right in the publishing side of things, but not so much on the cinematic side. Uh, but that speaks to Disney and, and Marvel and, and the publishing side of things when it comes to comics period. Cause for some reason, it just doesn't. They don't adapt that when it comes to movies. They they get it right when it comes to the the books and the publishing, but when it comes to movies, they just are like, well, yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we got to meet our demo. We got to meet meet our, our uh, target market, which is all wrong. Yeah. You know, whenever the suits are in the room, they think they know, and and they don't. And then you see movies like Hidden Figures, and it's yeah. made over a hundred million dollars at the box office at this point. So anyway, um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm not hopeful. Uh, I just, I want to say that I am, but I'm just, I'm not until I actually see a black woman or even a woman of color cast in a lead role in star Wars. I just, yeah. I mean, you know. at this point, just cast in a role would be some, would be welcome. <laughs> right. <you know? laughs> I mean, we saw the one, um, member of the council which i don't even know if she was given an actual name i'm sure she has a name but it wasn't said on screen yeah and rogue one and that was about it um but yeah yeah there wasn't (laughs) Uh, i mean i'm such a star wars fan and i mean even at this point i'm just i'm looking at i'm just what are you guys doing you know i mean it's like 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 you're you're they're missing so many opportunities on this. And I mean, so again, again, Rogue One had, you know, did wonderful things. But again, you're right. For for women, it, it, it kind of missed the boat again. And I think um, it's not for lack of opportunities. I think it's for lack of nerve. Um, and, and like you're saying, for the cinematic side, though. Because, yeah, publishing and in comics, they're, they're more willing to take those risks. But I guess it's just because the, the movies cost more and they... Or a little bit more skittish, which I don't know if that's ever going to change, unfortunately. I hope that it does. I hope it does, too, because the box office has proven otherwise. Absolutely. Franchises of other films and even, like, you know, with just diversity as a whole, like Fast and the Furious movies. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I just I don't understand why they seem to feel like that diversity doesn't seem to work. Um but yeah, it, Rogue One did very well with the men of color cast that they did have. So hopefully going forward, Star Wars will continue that and actually cast women leads in the role. So Fingers crossed. We'll Fingers crossed. Yeah. Talk, talk to me about uh, Universal Fan Con. 
Oh, yeah. So Universal Fan Con is a con that is dedicated to inclusivity. So we are focusing on women, people of color, the LGBTQ community, and people with disabilities. And this con is going to launch in April, late April of next year in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, I'm partnering with the Black Geeks. And we're really excited about this. Uh, we're actually in the stages of building out the website right now, and we're working on the design of the logo. Um, so we're, we're doing that now. And I'm also reaching out to celebrity guests. <laughs> and believe it or not, uh, I've been getting a lot of yeses. Awesome. So um, once contracts are signed, I can release those names to you. But I'm, I'm really excited that... There's so many people that are also just supportive and just as excited about this this con. And everybody that backed our Kickstarter, we had launched a Kickstarter when this was first announced. This was announced back in December. And I was a little skittish at first because this was around the holidays. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, <laughs> people are, you know, they're strapped for cash. They're not going to donate. But... Um, we launched a $25,000 Kickstarter and we made twice our goal. So, um, yeah, it's great. And all of the original backers will get lifetime passes to the con. So, because for us, um, this isn't a, you know, profit venture, you know, this isn't a way to try to get famous or anything like that. This is a community for us. Um, BGN, the black geeks, uh, I, I remember the Black Geeks when I first started uh, uh, Black Girl Nerds. Um, they are also podcasters and they also have their website. We've been building our brands and doing our thing for the last five years and we've always been about community. So that's what this con represents. It's for the fans and they come first. And it just made sense to give all of the original backers that had faith in us yeah. a lifetime membership. That's great. Um, and we're involving the, them in every aspect of this to even having them vote on the best logo. Like we just put out a Twitter poll of which logo you think would look best for the site. Um, so we're really involving them in, in every aspect of uh, uh, developing this con. And, and we're really excited. So that's going to be happening next year. That's amazing. It, why Baltimore? I, it's my backyard, so I'm not complaining, but I'm just curious oh, nice. why. Yeah, I'm just curious why you picked it. Well, I'm in Virginia. I'm in Virginia Beach, and the Black Geeks, they're in D.C., so oh, okay. Made we're sense. just kind of nearby, yeah. Nice. Yeah, Baltimore, It's uh, we've got a few good shows coming come come to town but uh it, it's it's always welcome to see more and I'm, I'm really excited for it is this i've never actually been to baltimore you've never so I, been to baltimore i know i i get that reaction <laughs> <laughs> i've got well ever since i announced this uh con i've gotten that reaction yeah i i've never been to baltimore which is kind of crazy because i'm not that far away yeah you should definitely come to baltimore comic-con this year it's one of the best comic-cons in the country Okay. Yeah, it's it's one of the few shows uh, that is still very much about the the books and artists and authors and is not overrun with, like, media celebrities and guests. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, among the pros, you know, they, they think very highly of the show, and it's it, it's a really, really good show. So I definitely recommend coming up. You could It's like, you know, write it off as research or something. 
Nice. <laughs> is this the first time? I mean, have you organized a con before, or is this all learning for you? This is this is the first time. This yeah. is the first time for me and in the Black Geeks. I mean, I've been a con goer now since starting BGN, but definitely as an organizer, it's a first. Um, but what's really cool about this is the people that's involved, um, aside from myself and the Black Geeks, we've got a lot of volunteers that are veterans that are like, hey, I've been doing cons for 20 years. Mm, we nice. want to help out. So, yeah, there's a lot. Rest assured, there's a lot of people um, behind the scenes that know what they're doing that's helping us out with this con. So we, we are making sure that our I's are dotted, our T's mm -hmm. are crossed, and that everything is going to be done according to plan. Um, and, you know, that's why we wanted to plan everything a year in advance so we have plenty of time to make sure that um you know things are done correct and and done right yeah. so well, that's uh, exciting very, yeah very very excited for this yeah. um something else that you've got coming up very soon i think is in addition to black girl nerds you have also started up misty nights uninformed afro yes um and for those listening who don't know what that is why don't you just give us the you know, tell us what that is real fast. Yes, uh, that starts on Wednesday, actually. I'm oh, very wow. excited. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Misty Night's Uninformed Afro is a new podcast series that I'm executive producing, and it's about black superheroines. So, it kind of came about because the co-host, as well as the researcher on the show with me, Stephanie Williams, had put out a tweet that actually went viral um, talking about the lack of black superheroines. And she just got a whole bunch of like mansplaining tweets <laughs> that kind of came at her, um, you know, just kind of explaining, oh, well, that's not true. And, 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 you know, look, we know that there are a lot of black superheroines out there. But the representation is few and far between. And my thing was, well, what do we really know about these women? Um, so I, I really wanted to do a series and just focus on their stories. Because even myself as a comic book reader, I don't know a whole lot about them. So in the series, we talk about Storm, Misty Knight, Monica Rambeau, Lunella Lafayette and Riri Williams. Uh, Vixen, as well as the Dora Milaje. And, uh, yeah, it's it's a really exciting nine-episode awesome. yeah, nine series. We break it up. We break up the Storm um, episode into two episodes and then the Misty Night into two episodes as well because it's just there's, there's so much to mm. unpack. Um, but, yeah, that's going to be coming soon. That's amazing. So, obviously... Um, podcasting is is a thing that you like <laughs> so but, but yeah. i mean what what about the format do you find so compelling like when 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 that idea came out you know like okay mm -hmm. i think we really do need to dive into the history of, of these you know female african-american characters and and show people that you know that who might not otherwise know this is this is the history of these characters why did that to you scream podcast over, over anything else well, um, you know, I had just wrapped up a season of another podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all these podcasts. <laughs> um, 
I had just wrapped up a season of a podcast series that I host called Get It Right by Rewire Radio, Rewire News. And that is the fusion of social justice issues with reproductive justice issues. And um, I just really love the format of that show. Um, It's it's a Q and A. It's it's me interviewing uh, celebrities and also um, uh, experts and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just really just love the way the format was structured. So I kind of when I decided to go with this uh, show. I wanted to do us kind of having like an NPR style dialogue, Mm -hmm. um, but also have um, like post credits and also have, okay, tune in or um, on the next episode and then have like little snippets of us, uh, of us having these discussions from the previous episode. So, I just wanted it to be sort of like like an episodic television when you mm-hmm. <laughs> when it has like those bumpers and stuff like I kind of wanted to have that format. So that's kind of what you're going to hear when you listen to the show. And I've been listening to a lot of shows from Gimlet Media. They have some really great podcasts and sort of been adopting their style as well with the way they've structured their shows um and and going off of that. So yeah, that's that's what I've been doing with with the formatting, and and I, I'm I'm really happy with it. And then all of the music that we've uh, used on the show is all original music. Stephanie's husband actually is the one that did all of the music, and it's great. really great. Um, so it's just, I think what's really exciting to me about this podcast is you know everything is so organic and homegrown from the music to the research. Like we actually created this really detailed outline of what we were going to read from the comics. So we're talking about the creators, the issue numbers, um, and, and we go into depth into each of these characters. And then I reached out to the girl that developed the Black Girl Nerds website, and I was like, can you create a website for this <laughs> podcast? So we got a website, and then I went ahead and reached out to the girl that helps our videos and I was like, can you do a YouTube video with me? So, (laughs) so, and I've been really promoting this out and I launched it strategically around black history month. Um, so I just really wanted to, you know, get folks excited for this. And I, and I think, I don't know, I I feel like this show is really going to resonate with folks. I I hope so at least. No, I think um, so too. It's, it's, it's needed. I think, you know, having an opportunity for people to hear voices of black women talk about black superheroines, um, it's not something that you normally hear on a podcast. True. So it's it's important. Yeah. Um, I wanted to quickly congratulate you because Black Girl Nerds just passed 100 episodes, correct? Yes. Yes. So, congratulations. That's a milestone. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, the, the the flip side of that, I mean, because we're we've done like 120 something. So we're you know, when you get past a certain number and you've got this huge library, it it, it could become difficult for new listeners to find a way in. So I'm wondering if you have one or two episodes that you would recommend for new listeners who might want to explore what you do on the show and and, and but see a hundred episodes and don't necessarily want to start with episode one. Maybe you want to start with something else. Do you have a way in for those people? So 
would I have one or two episodes? Yeah, like one or two rec- episodes. They say you know if you if you if you want to see what we're about, you know, these are the episodes I would really recommend you listen to first. Hmm, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> um. I really like the star. I, we actually, on our 100th show, did the best. You know what? I think that would be the one. Mm-hmm. Our 100th episode was our best of show. So that was actually clips of some of the best episodes, some of our favorite episodes, I should say, uh, over the years. So if you want to listen to that, um, then you can kind of get a sense of some of the ones that we've liked the best from celebrity interviews that we enjoyed to roundtable discussions that we enjoyed as a collective. Um, and we discussed why we liked those clips, what resonated the most with us. Um, you know, there, there's a moment where uh, some of these clips got very emotional for us. So definitely episode 100 uh, would be a good one to pick because you get a hodgepodge of a little bit of everything of what the Black Girl Nerds podcast is all about. Yeah, I'll second that too. It was a great episode. So, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> uh, do you have dream guests? Are, are there are there one or a few people that you're just like, oh, I, like if we if we got him or her, like we could just we could just end tomorrow. Oh well, um, I did get one this year uh, already, so mm-hmm. scratch that off the list. Um, <laughs> Check. Um, so Shonda Rhimes would definitely be a dream guest I would love to have her come on the podcast just because she's Shonda Rhimes and I've been a fan of hers forever and I admire her so much Um, and also Oprah Winfrey Mm -hmm. Uh, I just worship her Uh, so those would be guests I would love to have on the podcast fantastic Um, what are you most looking forward to in 2017? Um, well, I'm, I mean, I'm looking forward to building out the rest of the team for Universal FanCon and, you know, allowing us to get to finish up the rest of our next phases. Um, I'm really excited for the response of people when they listen to the new podcast series, Misty Nights Uninformed Afro, which you can listen to on iTunes. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, I'm, I'm excited for a lot of events that I'll be attending throughout the year. I'm going to several conventions. So uh, you'll see me at South by Southwest in March, uh, Klexicon also in March, um, uh, the Toronto International Film Festival that's later in September and then all of the comic cons from San Diego and New York Comic Con uh, so yeah fantastic awesome Jamie thank you this has just been wonderful it was just a great conversation I wish we could have you know another half hour 45 minutes but I've taken too <laughs> much of your time as it is <laughs> <laughs> this was great it was really lovely talking to you I really enjoyed it Fantastic interview, as always, Jamie. 
Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Maybe we'll end this by not being as political. I don't know. Let's I, not. It, it feels hard to not be political when, like, the stake of your, especially you, the stake of your children's future is on the line. Do you know what I mean? So it's hard to just sit back and, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be political because I don't want people to get mad. <laughs> well, everybody is at this point, and that's what I was saying. You know, yeah. you turn on Facebook or Twitter, and it doesn't matter if I, if it's a, a comic book writer, artist you know just friend random fan everybody's talking about the same right. thing and, and how can you not really? exactly. i mean if you're alive and breathing you have to either be up in arms offended or on his side and everybody has an opinion you know <laughs> exactly so we're gonna go away from politics no more politics yes. from now on Please. just geek stuff and yeah. and thank you so much for listening to our podcast and hitting subscribe if you unsubscribed already i'm sorry <laughs> but we're not listening anyway. That's okay. That's okay. What, you know, we we have to speak up sometimes. So thank you so much. If you want to join in on the conversation, we see people tweeting us. I just wanted to give a shout out this week to our tweeter of the week, Jamie McHugh, who listened to our Cressida Cowell interview and tweeted about it. Thank you, Jamie. We are watching you on Twitter. Well, that sounds creepy. We that see you on Twitter. Creepy. We see you on Twitter, and thank you. And Franklin, as always, man, you're the you're the bomb. We are at the GBB podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and also, guess what? Our logo is now on the Star Wars Celebration site. That's Yay, pretty cool. We're a supporter. We're a supporter <laughs> of the celebrations, and Jamie's going to be going there, so that's cool. Most likely, Most and likely. hopefully, we'll I'll have some news to share in the coming weeks. Yes. All right, guys. Uh, I'm Justin at 140 Justin C. I'm Jamie at the Robots. We will see you next time on the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. Podcast. Take care. <laughs> Bye. This podcast has been a production of the Geek Dad Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash geekdad.